0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I am so glad that you joined us today. We are continuing on our Theology Tuesdays. Get ready, get set, and let's get started. All right, everybody, continuing on here at Church Public on Theology Tuesday, we're looking at things about Theology, things that occur in the Bible, things that have practical application to our lives. Because what theology really is, theology is the application of a biblical principle to your life. If you only think about theology, if it's just a philosophical exercise in your head, it's not really theology. Theology has an element of truth and an element of practice. And so that's what we're talking about today. Today, one of the things we've been going through. I've been doing a series on the fruit of the spirit, and this is in relation to the last one that's listed, the, the fruit of self-control. And self-control, I feel like it gets a bad rap because it's last, and we kind of forget about it. We don't really care about it, and uh, I think it really is an important measure of the fruit of the spirit, and so I wanted to talk about that today. We're going to talk about this fruit. We've been reading out of Paul's letter to the Galatians, and Galatians 5, 22-23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a lot of good things in there, and in fact, if you listened back to the message that I gave on patience, you can go look at that in the library at churchpublic.com or iTunes, Church Public, and that talks about where we get to for these fruit. How do we get to this fruit, and, and why do we even need this fruit, and, and what comes before that, because what Paul says right after um, listing all of these fruit is, against such things there is no law, and why would he say that, and the reason he says that is, people have been trying to live... According to the law, according to the rules, according to their checklists. And Paul is trying to say, no, the freedom is found in Christ, and the freedom through the Spirit is this fruit. And you see these in your life when you're following after Jesus. It's not something you can manufacture, it's not something that you can make happen. It is what happens when you plug into God, when you seek Jesus with your heart and soul and mind and strength. Self-control, specifically, has been defined as the ability of a person to control their emotions, to control their behavior, regardless of temptation or circumstances. And this, again, is a very good definition, but in light of that truth that we just talked about, that our nature is inherently selfish. It just is. We think about ourselves all the time, and so it's an impossible task to have self-control on ourselves. We can do that somewhat. We can impose rules upon ourselves somewhat, but the reality is this self-control that Paul is talking about, that God is talking about, that the Spirit empowers in us can only come from the Spirit. It can only come from the power of God through the Spirit of God within us, changing our hearts, changing our lives, changing our minds, changing our eyes the way that we see the world so that we can actually do different things than are the things of our own nature. And we often think of self-control as something like, you know, not eating too much or drinking too much or something like that. But the truth is, it's so much more significant than that. Again, I think self-control, poor, sad self-control gets a bad rap. And I think self-control is really important and it's really significant, not just in, you know, going to the buffet and not eating too much. No, it's in their everyday life and how we deal with this world and especially now when, tempers, rage is so high, and patience is so low. We really need more self-control in our lives to be that light to this world so that they know there's something different about us. Through the series, we've talked about the power of the Spirit and the law and how you need the Spirit. Theologian Dallas Willard talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and I really love the way that he defines this and puts a different spin on it. He says it's not a list uh, to complete, but it's an uh, excuse me. It's an eternal, it's an internal change of your whole life. Sorry, the fruit is not found in efforts. He says not as acts, but as pervasive conditions of the entire person. This is what we're aiming at. We're not just looking at behavior modification. End quote. That's what Dallas says about the fruit of the spirit, and I think it's so good. It's not this list because maybe you're like me. I love lists. I love putting things down and checking them off and feeling like I accomplished something. And we like rules. We say, tell me the rules so that I can basically toe the line and get as close to breaking the rule as possible without breaking the rule. Or maybe we just want to know the rules so we can break the rules. This isn't about rules. It isn't about laws. It isn't about knowing those boundaries. It's about being different, acting different from our heart from the Spirit, the power of God in us, not just a list of things like, did I do my self-control today? That's not what Paul is talking about. That's not what Jesus is requiring of you. That's not what God is asking you to do. So today I want to talk about self-control through a story that in my lifetime, and I've heard a lot of Bible stories in my lifetime, including flannel graph, which I'm sad to see has basically gone the way of the dodo bird. But in my lifetime, I've never heard this Bible story compared to self control. So I'm going to do that today. And you can check my math and you can decide if you like it or if you don't. You can send us a message at uh, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. That's at Church, church Public. So, um, what I want to talk about is a story that Matthew gives us in chapter 4. And it's actually about Jesus, and it's actually about Jesus being tempted by the devil. Which, again, does this sound like self-control? Well, let's wait and see. And so right before chapter 4, in chapter 3 of Matthew, Jesus meets John the Baptist. You may have heard of John the Baptist. And there's this great conversation. You should go read it at the end of, of Matthew chapter 3. Uh, I, just for time, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but please do go read it. It's this great story where Jesus walks up to John the Baptist, who has been calling out people in the desert to come to repentance and follow God. And so John meets Jesus and the spirit of God illuminates John enough to know, hey, this is the Messiah that you've been waiting for and preparing the way for. So John says, hey, Jesus, I can't baptize you. You have to baptize me. And they kind of argue back and forth. And of course, because it's Jesus, Jesus gets his way. And so John baptizes Jesus as the beginning of Jesus ministry. And there's a whole bunch of. Again, theological things of the importance of that baptism, which I'm going to skip right now and maybe I'll get back to at another point, because what I want to get to is the next thing that happens. As soon as Jesus comes out of the water, the spirit of God, like a dove, comes down and and lands on Jesus. And then Jesus, here's the next sentence, that's the first sentence in chapter four. It says, Jesus was full of the spirit. I love that. Jesus is full of the spirit and he returned from the Jordan where he was baptized by John and then he was led by the spirit into the desert where 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. I mean, no joke, right? I can barely make it through a meal without eating, much less 40 days and nights. Um, and those that know me can attest that if I'm in a meeting uh, or I miss a meal and it's it's come to, to lunchtime, I'm maybe not the, the best meeting participant. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, I can I can fully understand Jesus being hungry in this moment. So the devil comes to him. This is Matthew chapter 4. devil says, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus says, It is written, man doesn't live on bread alone. So the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give you all the authority, all the splendor, for it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. The third time, the devil led him to Jerusalem and let him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for here. It's written, he, God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it, the Bible says, do not put the Lord to your test. Jesus went through this intense preparation before coming to this point. And 40 days alone in the desert and fasting, not eating, um, being full of the spirit. And he's, he's in this moment. And then the devil comes to him and the devil tempts him with real things, things that, I mean, I don't know if I would have passed these tests, right, if I were tempted by these things. But Jesus, who is full of the Spirit, reminds us that we, when we enter our temptations, which we will, also need to be filled with the Spirit. We need the Spirit in our lives. Jesus needed the Spirit, and we need the Spirit. I'm just going to Greek out for a moment where uh and and just bear with me i'm, I'm just going to look at the greek of of one word here that i think is interesting as we as we move into this so that that very um first sentence when it says that jesus was led by the spirit in the desert um the word for led is ago and what you would expect in greek would be something like ace which is it'd be eis ago like into the desert in other words you'd be led into the desert um and instead we get this verb that's n or in and and so the spirit is led in and and the the context here is that is kind of of direction like ace would be leading into the desert kind of pointing you that direction n is there's a presence in you it's within And I just, I love this because it's not like God is going to say to you, just like God didn't say to Jesus, go to this place, you're on your own, spend 40 days alone, and I hope you make it out, I'll see you on the other side. That's not what the context of this verse says. It's God says, go into the desert, and I'm going to be with you every moment of the way. You're not alone, you are not by yourself I am with you. And not only with you, I'm going to fill you. And I'm going to give you everything that you need to survive. And I, maybe for you, I know for me, it doesn't feel like you're going to survive sometimes. It feels like you're going to actually die sometimes. But God wants to remind you, even through this story, that he is in control, he has got this, regardless of the circumstances that are surrounding your life, he is. He wants to fill you with his presence, fill you with his spirit, so that you have everything you need to not only survive, but thrive. That's just greeking out for a moment, so we'll get back to the story. Hopefully, that brings you some comfort that the spirit who gives you the very fruit you need to survive and thrive, It's he's not even going to lead you into God's will, but also be with you, especially through temptation. The temptation of Jesus had many aspects, but one that we're going to look at today in, in matching with this fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Can you imagine if you had not eaten for a month and someone came to you and said, hey, and and my wife, who is wonderful, has been almost every day through this lockdown, has been baking these hot fresh sourdough loaves and you smell it coming in the oven for for like a long time before it's ready right you just start smelling this amazing bread smell and then it comes out and it it's not only smelling amazing it looks amazing and then you can see the steam coming off it and then there's this super satisfying crack when you like crack open the bread i don't know if you can hear that but it's it's incredible the way that the bread just opens up now i can tell you after a morning of not eating, when I hear that and smell that, I am so excited to take a bite of that bread because it is just so satisfying. Jesus, who had been in the desert for 40 days with no food, all of a sudden is given this bread and he's like, you know, man is not supposed to live on bread alone. And oh, what self-control. Like, that's where Jesus is God and I am not, and and thank goodness for that. But but what incredible self-control. But here's the deal. Jesus knew that the temptation was to let the devil provide for him instead of letting God provide for him. And so this goes way beyond food. It goes way beyond bread. This is the bread of God. God, this is the bread of God's provision for your life. And Jesus knew the self control that the Spirit was giving him was not just about eating. It was not just about satisfying that physical hunger. It was a spiritual matter, a moral, spiritual, theological matter that Jesus had to have the self control for. And Jesus did not succumb to that temptation. We'll look at the others in just a moment. But And he had the exact same tools that you and I have. He had the Spirit. And when you follow Jesus, you have this same Spirit in you. That's a promise that God gives us, which is incredible as a promise. And the other thing that Jesus used in every one of these temptations, in every one of these cases, he used the word of God. So when you read the word, when you memorize the word, when you apply it to your life, when you make it a part of who you are and what you do and how you live, when you come into these situations where you will be tempted and you will be tempted, this is not an if, but it is a when, you will have the tools you need to avoid the temptation, um, Martin Luther, a, a great theologian, the person who nailed the 95 theses to the door and basically split off the Catholic church to create the whole movement of Protestantism away from the Catholic church. Um, and, uh, I, I'm sorry if you're a Catholic and listening, I, I, that's not a, an indictment on you. I'm just saying he was a man who believed, uh, that our relationship with God should be more personal. Anyway, he said this about temptation. You can't help if a bird flies over your head, but you don't need to let that bird make a nest in your hair. I just love that. I think it's sufficiently silly that you could even tell your kids and I think they would understand what you're saying. But we understand it too because it's so simple and yet so profound. Like You will hit temptation. If temptation flies by you, no big deal. You keep going. If you stop and you entice that temptation and you create a nest for it, you've done more than, than temptation. Now you've clearly fallen into sin. Temptation is not in itself sin. And I'll I'll give you another word picture if you like. In Yosemite Valley at the top of Half Dome and, and a bunch of the other mountains on the top there, there are a series of trees that are twisted and contorted, And they look really strange, but they're still there. They're still alive. They're still growing. And in fact, they are much stronger than the trees at the bottom of the valley that are beautiful and straight and have all their leaves and things like that. But these trees at the top have withstood wind and sun and rain and snow and every element for years and years, and they are stronger for the trials. Our battle with temptation is sometimes necessary for us to grow grow stronger so that we can encounter the the temptation, and let it pass by. We can counter it with the power of the Spirit and the power of God's Word. There are three categories of temptation that we just read about in in Jesus' account. and In John, actually, uh, John, a disciple, wrote the book of of 1 John that we have now in 1 John 2. Uh, he kind of compares these same temptations, so the first is hunger. We kind of talked about the hunger temptation, and those are the cravings that we have. the things that we really want with our our flesh is how John says it. The second one is power and wealth. Jesus is offered um, the power to rule everything and John talks about that as the lust of our eyes or our greedy ambitions, the things that we want in this life, the the things that we want to have power over. And then finally is this idea of instant fame, the pride of life, boasting about the accomplishments that you have, the things that you can do, the, the things that you have made happen. Uh, it's all about you, right? So those were the three stories. We read the one about the bread. And then the second one is... Uh, the devil led Jesus to this place of of authority, and he said i 'll give you all of the kingdoms." but Jesus knew it wasn 't his time yet and and what I want to point out in this is that was the, that was the end of Jesus. That was the, the goal of Jesus. And in fact, we know that Jesus is going to come back and rule over all of the kingdoms of all of the world at some point, but it was not his time in that moment. So it was a half truth. And those are the most dangerous ones where you hear something that you're like, yes, that sounds good. And we talked about a lot of that in our socialism lesson a, a couple of weeks ago. And, and some of those other episodes that we've talked through where these half truths sound so good to our heart and to our feelings and to our Christian sensibility, but we have to examine, are those true and are those in time? Is it the right time for this? Yes, Jesus was destined to rule the entire world. And the devil said, I will give you authority over all of the world in this moment if you only worship me. And Jesus answered, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Jesus knew through the spirit, through his self-control, not taking the power in that moment that it was given to him, And through the power of the word of God that helped him know that that's wrong. Worshiping the devil is wrong. I mean, obviously, we should know that intuitively. uh, We should know that (laughs) worshiping the devil is wrong. But those temptations come. And when the devil says, hey, I'll give you this whole world, what are you going to say? Sure, that sounds great. Jesus was close enough with the spirit, filled enough with the spirit where he knew that it was not good for him to take that choice. And it was not time yet to take that choice. And then uh, I'll skip the final one for time. But it's these temptations are the things that we run into for every moment of every day. We're going to run into one of these temptations. And we need this self-control. That's what I started with at the beginning. Like self-control, it's... It's sad that it gets put at the end of the list. It's almost the thing that that covers over all the other things because if we are in step with the Spirit, as Paul says um, in Galatians, if we walk in step with the Spirit, not in front of, not behind, in step with the Spirit, then when we hit these temptations, whether they are about our desires, whether they are about our ambitions, whether they are about the pride that we have or want to have, um, I mean, especially... In that last one, where it deals with pride and social media, I think is a huge temptation for some of us. I've talked to people who want to be for their job, for their career, for their uh, for their livelihood to be a YouTube star and be famous and and receive compensation for that. and And I guess inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that is your only goal—to be famous for being famous' sake—then you're shortchanging what God has in His role for your life. His will for your life is not to be famous in yourself. There's no good in that, in the sense of if you're not making God famous and you're just making you famous, then who is the God in your life? Clearly it's you, right? And a lot of people want to go viral, right? A lot and For the good reasons, not the bad reasons, but a lot of people want to go viral on social media and they want the likes from social media and there's, there's actually like studies now about how that changes your brain and how those chemicals in your brain create addiction and you want more and more and more fame and this is the temptation that we're talking about that it's hard and it's hard to walk through these things and we need to be in step with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit so that We can avoid these temptations when they come. And the more that we encounter these temptations, the more that we go through these small temptations, the more strength we'll have through the power of God to uh, address them in the future and when and if they get bigger. These half-truths, these half-lies we counter them with the truth. We counter them with God's word. We look at the example of Jesus, the way he used self-control, the way he used his knowledge of the scriptures to counter these half-truths. It's important that we study these things. It's important that we know these things so that we can avoid these temptations that look to steal our both humanity and our souls. In Ephesians, Paul again says, Ephesians 6, he says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We have weapons against this, and Paul lays it straight out. There's actually, that's a Ephesians 6 is a great look at the armor of God and all the ways that God has equipped you and wants to equip you to avoid the devil's traps and to avoid these temptations of the flesh. The very sword, the weapon of the Spirit, is the Word of God. And if you spend time in the word, memorizing the word, reading the word even, you will be more equipped to battle with the powers of this world, the problems that this world has, and the temptations that it will throw at you. Some people hear this and get really scared and try to live in some kind of like monastery, you know, being a monk and being separated from all of the things of this world. And, and that's not really what we're called to do either. We're not, And and by and large, it's not even possible. It's not possible to be outside of the world so much that you never encounter any temptation and avoid it all. Instead, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not like the world. We're called to be different than the world culturally. And we should be leading the cultural charge as Christians. We should be artists and lawyers even and teachers and politicians that are Christian in worldview and behavior and salt and light to the world. We're called into this world, not out of this world. But if we go into this world, we must be prepared to come into contact with this temptation and use self-control and the other fruit through the power of the Spirit, to deal with the temptations that are going to come at us, that are going to come at us. We're meant to live in this world, but not be like this world. So how are you going to plug into the power of God, the power of the Spirit, the Word of God today, so that He can exercise self-control in you and use your light to reach this dark world? As always, God bless. I hope you keep the faith, and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us at Church Public. I'm so glad you are listening. I hope that you like and subscribe at iTunes. You can check us out on social media, at Church Public, on Twitter, Instagram, etc. God bless and keep the faith.